0: Are you about to scream because the expense app that you use lacks customer support? Are you frustrated because the expense app you use charges your clients for all their employees when only a few employees filed their expense reports that month? Do you hate it when in-app ads disrupt your work? If you said yes to any of these questions, stay tuned to hear more from our sponsor, File, later in the episode. And I don't know how deep you went, but if you go deep on the raise, it has a list of the people who invested.
1: I did not look at that.
0: So one of the people is former CFO of payroll benefits companies, Gusto. So it's a former CFO of Gusto has invested. Mm. But the other one is Matthew McConaughey. (laughs) No way. More celebrities. Yes, we have another one. Now, this is even better because Matthew McConaughey, not just putting his name, he gives a quote.
1: Today is Sunday, August 1st. This is the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake
0: Oliver. And I'm David Leary. Blake, guess what? What? I don't have air conditioning now on the main part of my house. This happened to you before when the lightning hit your uh, power transformer near your house? Well, I didn't have any electricity. Well, then, you know, I discovered, what I'm discovering is, as time goes on, all the devices and things that are broken because of the power surge, And now it's the air conditioning unit. Oh, no.
1: What are you doing? Are you just living
0: in the addition you built? Well, the addition, the air conditioning unit and the addition, the air conditioning and the master bedroom are just keeping the rest of the house livable. I guess. Yeah. So we'll get through. You know, it's only gonna be
1: 101 today. The things you come back to after you spend two weeks traveling to conferences in a pandemic, right? It's a crazy year. And that's, I mean, but
0: yeah. So we just traveled. We got back,
1: right? Yes, we were at AICPA Engage this past week, the big conference of CPAs run by the ASCPA. Um, that was at the Aria in Las Vegas. So it was interesting to be back
0: at, in Las Vegas for a conference. What, so you did a talk. Like, how did it go? What was the vibe? Where, if it did, feel, I mean, I have my opinions, but like, who was <laughs> who was your vibe on this?
1: Okay, so I get to the conference. I I go out on Sunday night, but I'm responsible. I don't stay out too late because I want to. Well,
0: through giraffe through a party.
1: Yes, so we we threw a party with uh, Gusto and Relay, and that was really fun. Got a few hundred people there, um, but you know I went to bed at a reasonable hour because I wanted to get up and go to some sessions on Monday. And I get to my first session. You know, I'm 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 ready to go. I've had my coffee. I sit down in the audience. It's packed. It's a session about technology for audit and assurance practices. I'm like, oh, this is great. So I'm gonna hear about like what tech is going on in audit. And then the very first slide of the conference for me is benefits of cloud computing. (laughs) (laughs) And that kind of, from a uh, curriculum standpoint or from a content standpoint, that was really where we're at uh, with most accounting firms these days. This conference attracts a wide variety of CPAs, Uh, it was actually originally eight or nine different conferences that the AICPA consolidated into one big one. And so there's a lot of people there, not just CAS, not just outsourced accounting, not just the folks you'd see at ZeroCon or QuickBooks Connect. It's all the traditional tax practices, audit practices, et cetera, consulting. And they are really like back at 2010. The pandemic finally brought them to that point where we all were in the Zero and QuickBooks online world. But that's that's where they're at now, so it was interesting to see that. It was really exciting to see the leaders at the AICPA talking about how CAS is the future and talking about how the pandemic taught us that we can do this for our clients. We can do advisory work, uh, but again, from an actual like tech standpoint, they're really just exploring the basics. So I didn't get much out of it from that same point. Of course, it was great to see all of our friends and reconnect and actually walk an expo floor Uh, that was really fun of course then like two days into the conference we'd all gone there thinking oh we're vaccinated and so that's going to protect us and you know we don't have to wear masks and like the conference was going on like their pandemic was over and then two days into it all this news about the delta variant starts spreading and you saw, yeah, you saw vendors start wearing a mask. Yep. Yeah. So people, start, people started w- masking up. People started masking up. You see, I mean, it wasn't a lot, but it was like, I don't know,
0: 20%. It was noticeably different. I yeah. mean, it went from Sunday. It was Vegas, no mask on Sunday to when we left on Wednesday. Yeah, you're right. 20, 25% of the people were wearing masks. And now I'm worried
1: because I'm going to go home and I'd been thinking, oh, the vaccine protects me. I'm not going to be able to, you know, even if they're, even if the, even if coronavirus is around in Las Vegas, I'm not going to transmit it. To people when I go home, but now I'm learning, oh, Delta variant, I could get it. And even though I'm not going to get sick or very sick, I could still give it to my son at home. So unnecessary stress uh, or just <laughs> really, really unfortunate circumstances. Fortunately, I just got my test results this morning and I tested negative for COVID. Oh, so you went and got a rapid test
0: then? Okay, got it. Yeah.
1: Well, I couldn't get a rapid test. I had to go get the lab test. So I got that on like Friday and I just got the results as negative. So thankfully at least from my perspective AICP Engage is not going to be the accounting coronavirus super spreader event of the year I feel like I would have gotten it if it was there (laughs) yeah (laughs) but you know but uh because I did come back with like a sinus infection I I feel like yeah I don't know if you can hear it but I don't feel great so that's why I was really concerned
0: you should have one of those humidifiers that Melia was giving
1: out at their booth (laughs) I I used it but I feel like I needed 10 of them you know
0: it's never enough
1: in Vegas (laughs) that's true (laughs) This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by AFO Wealth Management. AFO Wealth Management Forward was created to allow accounting firms to integrate wealth management services into their practice with ease. AFO Wealth Management Forward, powered by Arrowroot Family Office, provides a simple and easy way for accounting firms to integrate financial planning, estate planning, life insurance and investment advisory into their current practice to increase recurring revenue streams without straining existing staff and resources. The program provides access to a robust online learning management system, one-on-one coaching, monthly Q&A sessions, webinars, and access to great partners, including Betterment, Vanilla Estate Planning, commission-free life insurance from DPL, and financial planning tools like Right Capital and eMoney. Learn how to easily adopt wealth management services through the power of technology and collaboration, and get 25% off when you mention the Cloud Accounting Podcast. Head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo/afo. That is Cloud Promo forward slash AFO.
0: I mean, I think for me in general, it was. First class conference. I think the AICPA does a very nice job. It's a very nice conference, and they announced, I think, for the next three years they're going to be doing it at the Aria, which is an amazing location.
1: Oh yeah, Aria. I've never stayed there before. Beautiful, beautiful um, hotel. Yeah, great it, conference facilities. I
0: awesome. mean, from a from a sponsor, the only questionable thing I think was the the schedule. Like they've got people going from six a.m. on, right, and they do the breakfast, and but they serve them to go lunches, so people grab their lunch and they run back to their next session. It would have been nice to. It'd be nice if the Expo Hall was open a little bit more because I feel like a lot of people, some were there for their CPE, some were there for their content. But I think the vast majority of the people were there just to connect and escape, right? Like this is their first, you know, this has been a very hard 18, 19, 24 months for accounts and bookkeepers and for them to escape. They just needed this in-person interaction. And I I thought it was great from that front.
1: Traditionally, this conference is about getting your CPE, right? It's the Mm -hmm. time of year you go and you get 30 credits if you need them. I, I think conferences will eventually move to being less about CPE. I mean, that's what ZeroCon, QuickBooks Connect, all those conferences are. They're less about CPE and more about just connecting with people and, and uh, connecting with different technologies. I, I just don't understand like why we're still going in person to learn CPE. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me.
0: Yeah, in-person learning. Yeah, you're right. right. It's like, I,
1: I can do this on a webinar. I can do this listening to a podcast. Uh, why? Why try to mix the in-person stuff with the <laughs> the CPU? I mean, like to, that much of it anyway, right? That's a lot to learn all in and compressed all in one week.
0: And so while we were there, another accounting conference was announced. Did you see Accounting Web is now going to have a conference called Live Summit. The yes, Accounting Web Live Summit. That's and gonna it's going to be in San Diego, May 9th through the twelfth, twenty twenty two. So hopefully we'll be headed to that. That looks uh, very nice. That looks exciting. What what uh, hotel is it at? Did they say? Paradise Point in Mission Bay. I guess that is a event facility. Um, what's interesting is they they surveyed their readers, and the readers ninety seven percent they definitely would attend uh, an, or, an event organized by Accounting Web, but ninety three percent said they wanted to see an, an event dedicated to small accounting firms.
1: That I think is really important. Small accounting firms. That's most of the readers of Accounting Web. You know, you go to Engage, and it's like a lot of big firms. Yep, and the, and the cost is often prohibitive for small firms. You know, at an event like Engage, it'd be, it's like,
0: well, that's what I was thinking about Engage. It better for the price. It better be nice, right? <laughs> it, it's a very nice, well done professional conference. It's very, very nice, but yeah, it's expensive as well. Well, that's
1: really exciting. That's nice. I mean, I guess this will kind of take the place of Accountex, right? Which is no longer happening. Um, those accounting and finance shows. There really isn't something that's vendor agnostic in the small firm world at this point. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong.
0: I mean, in, in a way, Woodard's kind of vendor agnostic because there's no, none of the big accounting software packages are are, are, go, are present or sponsoring that conference. But, but so, I mean,
1: like all of the contents, like QuickBooks, right? Isn't uh, yeah, the vast? majority?
0: All... It's a very heavy QuickBooks <laughs> pro advisor. So in a way, yes, it's, it's a, you know, it is a conference that that's that. but you're, you're right. As far as like a big independent conference, this might be the, the new one, we'll see, but it looks very exciting. I know um, Seth at uh, County Web's been like he's been giving me the heads up. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming, and so finally, you know, it's finally live.
1: So, are we going to have a recording studio there, David? We got to make this happen.
0: I, I, I'm going to figure out something. We have plenty of time to plan. We'll, we'll do something exciting there because it's easy to get to San Diego. We can, you know, bring the equipment. It's an easy place to bring family if we need to. So, very excited.
1: So, what do we want to talk about this week?
0: I, can I? Can we really close down PPP loan?
1: Uh, No, I don't think ever, but you could try. Do you got a story on PPP? So,
0: So we talked about last week, they're launching a new website for the forgiveness.
1: Yes. SBA, the SBA is launching their own loan forgiveness website to help the small borrowers.
0: And there's, they had a webinar for banking partners this week. And just the quote in it that I just wanted to read because it really shows where we all are on the PPP loan. So this is then, SBA Associate Administrator Patrick Kelly made a personal plea to lenders on a webinar Tuesday as he urged them to opt into the SBA's new forgiveness platform. Quote, unquote, give it over to the government and get your life back. (laughs) So this site should go live around August 4th. And then he has a second quote, which was great as well. All of us want to be done with forgiveness, borrowers, lenders, government by the fall across the board, Kelly said. So this is the final push that will hopefully put PPP in the rearview mirror for borrowers, for the lenders and for the agency. So there might, we might not talk about PPP in 2022. Like it might finally be coming to an end.
1: Uh, you know, I, I, I would bet against that, but we can, we can hope, right? We can hope and dream. I have some follow-up as well. Remember how I talked at length about Peter Thiel's $5 billion Roth IRA?
0: Yes, which I don't have. Uh, I yes, don't like that. Which,
1: which none of us have because he invested his PayPal shares. He bought his PayPal shares inside of a Roth IRA for a tenth of a penny each and uh, then continued to invest the rewards from that. in there. So he's got like a $5 billion Roth. And that was what triggered a ProPublica article calling out this abuse of something that is supposed to be for the middle class to save for retirement. And, you know, that raises the question, is Peter Thiel the only one who has a lot of money in his Roth IRA? And the answer is no, there are nearly 500 taxpayers with over $150 million in their IRAs. That is the gist of an article on accounting today, 497 of them to be precise, over 150 million in their individual retirement accounts, and nearly 25,000 taxpayers had an aggregate IRA account balance of 5 million or more. This is no surprise to anyone who does tax planning or wealth management. Roths are an amazing way to shield uh, your money from Future taxation—you pay tax on it now, and you don't have to pay tax in the future. And David, as you pointed out in our previous episode, most people don't understand the time value of money. So this this whole scheme was allowed to happen, never thinking that you know this would be taken advantage of by the wealthy. But of course, you know we always figure out ways to do that for our clients. And so now it's getting out into the um, into Congress. There's going to be hearings about this. They might try to shut it down. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, if anything. But isn't this a, like, I'm just
0: thinking from his deal with PayPal, right? Like. Peter Thiel. You can't get the money early out of a Roth, right? Or if you do, you pay taxes on it, right? Yeah, you have to hold it until you're, uh, what is it, 59 and a half, I think. You can't spend it. So, in a way, this is a, a big gamble, right? Because what if PayPal implodes? It becomes an en situation and, like, well, so it's he, almost better. at what point should you just withdraw and take his profits and pay taxes well, well no, he he's so grown he, that the
1: much. the way it works is that your his original investment was in payPal right and then he got his money from the IPO and then he can keep that money in the retirement account and invest it in other places so his okay his, so,
0: this, so this is actual real deal cash that's in there now it's
1: not well it's it's probably all invested in different companies but it's
0: diversified yeah right okay, but so it's, it's like, not all the, the original shares but gotcha. I mean,
1: imagine if you had like a um an investment account Right, and it was just everything in that grows tax free for in, ever as long as you don't withdraw it until retirement.
0: Yeah, so he could, he could, he, you, he, that's right. So it exploded because of this PayPal investment. Then he could diversify that across other, right, stocks and bonds, et cetera. Okay, got So, so there's all sorts of tricks or strategies
1: to get more money into Roth than you're normally allowed to get into. There's the the whole like traditional Roth conversion into or traditional IRA conversion into a Roth that you can do. Uh, So anyway, that it's, it's, it's interesting to see that it's like being investigated. We'll see if anything happens, but it could, the, these, these backdoor methods could get scrutinized and shut down.
0: Until they discover, what did you say? 500 people have this, you know, 70 of them are senators. (laughs) (laughs) Probably right. That's exposed. (laughs) And then they won't want to change it. We'll we'll
1: see. There you go, David. That's, that's the, that's the right, that's the right analysis there. But, but continuing on this individual retirement account theme. I saw another story in accounting today about a new product that allows for tax-free Bitcoin mining by purchasing Bitcoin mining equipment, the computers, inside of an IRA. So this is a IRA provider called Choice and a Bitcoin mining and hosting firm called Compass Mining. They have partnered up to offer an IRA that allows miners to produce cryptocurrency in a tax-advantaged account. So normally, when you uh, mine Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, uh, you know you you buy the computer rig, which could be at least ten thousand dollars, and then you know you plug it in and it starts mining. And when you receive the cryptocurrency from your mining, which is you know mining is processing transactions, you're you're making the orders flow, and you're adding to the blockchain and solving those puzzles. Uh, your reward is some cryptocurrency. And and normally when you receive that cryptocurrency, you, that's actually a taxable event. So you have to pay tax as soon as the cryptocurrency, the digital currency comes into your possession. And then if you sell it and you have a gain, then you have capital gains. So the tax treatment is actually really bad for cryptocurrency compared to other types of investments, right? Where, I don't know, if I buy a machine and um, I don't know, I make shoes with it. I don't have to pay tax on the shoes that I make immediately. Right. I don't know anything like that. So this is a really interesting uh, strategy, right? Like take buy cryptocurrency mining equipment inside of an IRA, and then you, you don't have to pay tax
0: <laughs> because I mean, it's there it should be just like investing in any company that mines for copper and other things and diamonds. Right. I guess. Yeah. So that's what it's, it's doing.
1: They're figuring out how to do that because we don't have a uh, sensible treatment of, you know, cryptocurrency in our tax code, like there there's really very little guidance on. It. And so it gets treated as this intangible asset with, you know, um, very poor, um, tax treatment. I, I thought that was, that was interesting. So if you're looking for something for clients to be able to, you know, mine cryptocurrency in a retirement account, like what a, what an interesting combination of of uh, services there
0: This episode of the cloud accounting podcast is sponsored by File Would you like an expense app that offers 24-7 support, only charges for employees that actually file expense reports, and doesn't subject you, your clients, or their employees to in-app ads? It exists, and it's called File. That's File with a Y. When your clients use File, their employees can track their expenses where it's most convenient, on their phone, via the File app, or via Gmail, Outlook, Slack, even an iMessage. When expenses are submitted, FILE's AI and OCR technology will extract all the information from the receipt and automatically fill out the expense forms, giving you the ability to monitor expenses in real time. If you need compliance policies, budget controls, or fraud detection, FILE does that too. FILE offers a multi-org portal to easily manage all your clients within a single account and syncs with all your favorite cloud accounting apps like QuickBooks, Xero, Intact, and NetSuite. File's accounting partner program offers training resources, co-market opportunities, and revenue sharing. To learn more about File, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash file. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash F-Y-L-E. File is everyone's expense dream come true. Uh,
1: one more thing on the crypto uh, front. You know, we've talked previously about how. Uh, China is creating, has already created its own cryptocurrency that is run by the central government there. And people have been calling for the US government, the Treasury, to create its own cryptocurrency as well, uh, a federal coin, Fed coin, something like that, uh, so that, you know, we have the advantages that China has. And it looks like they're getting closer. Uh, one of the governors, one of the Federal Reserve Board governors, uh, Lale Brainard. Said recently, this was uh, on Friday, that there is urgency now around the issue of developing a U.S. central bank digital currency. She said the dollar is very dominant in international payments, and if you have the other major jurisdictions in the world with a digital currency, a central bank digital currency offering, and the U.S. doesn't have one, I just I can't wrap my head around that. She told that to the Aspen Institute Economic Strategy Group. She said that just doesn't sound like a sustainable future to me. So we may get to the point where the Fed has a cryptocurrency, digital currency, and that is really important because I think what's freaking them out and the reason that they're moving this direction is because of this coin called Tether. Have you heard of Tether, David? I have not. Give me the the 20 seconds on Tether. So basically Tether, think of Tether as like a a Bitcoin or Ethereum, but it is pegged to the US dollar, thus the name Tether.
0: Oh, so it's like the, the Chinese yen, right? It's a, or the, the, well, uh,
1: there's the digital yuan. Yeah. Yeah. They they, they tie it right to the US dollar. Right. So this is basically a, it's a stable coin. And this is what a Fed coin would be. The, The Fed coin would be pegged to the US dollar. So there's obviously demand for this, right? So Tether started in 2014 as a solution to the problem of cryptocurrency fluctuations. You can exchange other cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin for Tether, and you can use it as a as a way to stabilize. Okay. Um so the the thing is Tether has grown. It's like uh getting way up there 70-80 billion dollars in market cap, which you know, is still small compared to like the 700 or I don't know, are we at 800 billion for Bitcoin? But it's becoming concerning because it's completely unregulated and the Tether executives are under a criminal probe into bank fraud. And there's a question as to whether or not all of the tether out there is actually backed by U.S. dollars. Like that's the the idea is that it should all be backed by U.S. dollars. If I ask for my, if if I want to trade in my tether, I can directly get U.S. dollars one to one. But because it's unregulated, there's a question as to whether that's even happening, and we don't know. So imagine a, a time in which. You know there's a i don't know a market crash in crypto and everybody goes to try and exchange their tether there's a run on the bank essentially and there isn't enough us dollars to pay them all that could that could then create a situation that destabilizes our economy so this is why it's important for the fed to actually get into it so that they can control it uh, because if they don't it's going to happen
0: anyway and then they're going to be on the sidelines yeah it's, uh, I, I think these guys, like, all these companies don't help themselves. There's always, there's always somebody sketchy involved, but they're not helping their case long-term on these things.
1: Well, they're making a lot of money. So, you know, maybe that's the, that's the objective there, right? Um, so anyway, that's my follow-up in the world of crypto and IRAs. And I love that they somehow collided with that, that one story.
0: So I found a story that I think you'll love because you always are hammering about texting with clients. I think it's important to be
1: able to do that like that's if that's what clients want you know don't make them email you yeah
0: so uh i found a story this was in a uh, small business trends this week basically it's a summary of podiums 2021 local business messaging trends report i think podium is like some sms tax text or texting software uh, that exists so they serve surveyed uh, 1004 consumers across the us and australia And 74% said they prefer texting with a business if a real person is texting back. So they don't want to text with your automated bot, right? Right. So 74% want a person that's there. 21% are likely to opt into local businesses marketing than a big box chain, right? So people are going to opt into your firm's text messaging, but they won't opt Mm -hmm. into EYs, right? (laughs) <laughs> that type of thing. Uh, obviously, again, on the ro- uh, people versus robots, um, 64%, they want to he- receive incentives, you know, discounts, promo codes, coupons from local businesses.
1: I- I've seen that with uh, some of the online stores that I've purchased from recently. If I go on the website, they have the traditional 10% off coupon if you sign up for our email list. And then once you do that, they'll say, get another 10% off if you add your phone number. Your cell phone. Yeah.
0: And about 35% said they uh, would love to get messages that are like, "Hey, your inventory is back in stock," or, you know, "We're selling that sandwich you love," like real helpful things. And then, super local businesses, they would love 28% want invitations to upcoming events. So this is where you, as a firm owner, right? If you need to discuss new PPP loan forgiveness, you can have an event, text your clients, and they're gonna be happy about that that they know that the event's happening, Mm. right? Versus the email where it may may just disappear. And then all of them say, if you text too much. They're going to be pissed off.
1: Delicate balance. Yeah, no, it's great. Like imagine, you know, if you could just text your clients and say, here's this deadline coming up. Do you need help? You know, reply yes. And we'll email you a link to schedule a, a call. That's going to be much more effective than just sending them an email that's buried in their inbox.
0: And I mean, this is not habit, but I think I've seen these stats before, right? Isn't it like 98.999% or 99.8% of all texts get viewed and read? Yes. Yeah, because there's,
1: I mean, it's hard to avoid them, right? Yep. Yeah, they, they see them in their notifications, even if they don't click through to them. So yeah, very effective. Uh, you just got to be very careful that you don't spam people with text because they hate that more than anything.
0: I think everything else I have is all app news. So
1: app you, news, whatever you have. I got two stories that can lead us into app news. So here's a survey. We love our survey data here on the, on the podcast. This is a survey done by Wave which is owned by h r Block. And it's all about the challenges that small businesses, micro businesses in particular, face with cash flow and overdue invoices during the pandemic. This is a survey of uh, 1,008 micro business owners. That means nine employees or less. And some of these data points are just amazing. The survey found that most of the respondents rely on traditional forms of payment, such as paper checks, 71%. Cash, 61%. Only half accept debit or credit cards, 50%. Now, what is the consequence of relying on checks and cash? Well, most of them are dealing with outstanding invoices. It's a huge problem. Nearly half of the small business owners cite cash flow as a challenge. And a lot of them are following up on invoices that take over six months to get paid on. It's kind of amazing to me that like more more small business owners just don't accept credit cards because of the cost of, you know, having to wait to get paid when it's that long. It was many, many months. Two out of five, okay, say they use their personal checking account for business expenses and 29% indicated they don't separate their personal and business finances at all. Why is that? It's because they're not using accounting software. 22% use pen and paper to track their finances. And 14% use an Excel spreadsheet. So if you add that up, that's like what 36% more than a third of these micro business owners are using pen and paper or Excel. So that makes me think back to our conversation with Ben Richmond from zero, where he said, you know, the, the real competitor isn't other accounting software, it's people not even using accounting software. And I, I just got to think that, you know, for 10 bucks a month. If you had all your invoices online and you weren't, you know, printing them out and sending them to people, and then not having a way to track them, I, f- I feel like you'd, you'd have better cash flow, right? Like, there's a very, very strong argument here, and I wonder why they are not
0: giving people the option to pay pay you online, right. right? Or giving them options to pay you either through a credit card or a. I think for a lot of small businesses, a lot a lot of the not getting paid is much when they do business with bigger companies. And that's the bigger risk because they land a big fish and then the big companies sit on their AP for 90 days, 120 days before they finally pay. Um, I know that Intuit a long time ago changed their policies for small businesses where if it's a small business, Intuit will pay them in 10 days, which is mm-hmm. huge. Um, and other corporations should try to do that. But if going back to the beginning of the pandemic, do you remember there was an initiative that was started? It was hashtag pay today trying to get big companies yep. to pay small businesses faster. Um, obviously that lost momentum because I just went to the website now and paytoday.club is just like somebody, they must've not renewed the domain. And now it's just a big spammy kind of site <laughs> if you go to paytoday.com. So obviously, yeah, and this is the problem with a lot of things, right? People get very energized about something and then it just flutters and dies. Um, yeah. Apparently, Apparently nobody cared about this enough to keep it going. Or to at least renew the domain. Geez. It's
1: just it's just really bad. Seventeen percent of these businesses said there are invoices they've sent out that have never been paid. And then eight percent said they have waited more than a year for invoices to be paid. That's amazing. More than a year. Yeah. I know. But you know, obviously there's power dynamic issues. Like you said, if you're a freelancer or some micro business serving a large business, you really have no control. Um, But also, I think if you're using accounting software and like if you're bugging that AP department frequently about getting paid, then, you know, human nature, they're more likely to pay you, right? If you're reminding them about it. And there's another stat in here about how a lot of these business owners, 14% of them admit they don't follow up with customers on outstanding invoices. And then 13% admit they forgot to send or delayed in sending out invoices in the first place. So part of this is the micro business being totally disorganized. And then the other part is the large businesses holding on to AP.
0: I get it. You get busy and then you're like, oh, I got to send out these invoices. I'm guilty of this. I've done it it too. (laughs) I've done it too. You've done it, David, with our podcast. (laughs) Um, Because they email us. They're like, I haven't gotten an invoice yet. I'm like, don't worry. There's been a lot of conferences. We've been traveling. It'll happen. Yeah, yeah. Trust me, I will invoice you eventually.
1: All right, last one before we get into app news and this can actually take us in there. So this is a story that I saw on Ryan Lazanis's email newsletter, uh, futurefirm.co. Uh it's just it's really funny. So that it's it's a blog post on Medium, the blogging site. And the title of the post is it doesn't effing matter. And I'll summarize this best I can. It's by Dan Norris, he is an entrepreneur He's in his thirteenth year as an entrepreneur, and he has done a lot of different things. He's owned 200 domains with live websites that he held for SEO purposes. He's had a bunch of different businesses. He had a whole garage full of Chinese balance bikes he couldn't sell. He spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on failed software apps, and has had lots of basically lots of businesses that totally failed. Um, Lost his house, lost his net worth from failing at a one business in his early 30s. It's been a crazy ride. Now he did succeed. He's had two businesses that really succeeded, and one was this business where uh, he provided unlimited WordPress uh, assistance for a flat monthly fee, and that like really, really took off, and people loved it. And so he actually made it, right? He he did it. He was a successful entrepreneur, and now he's financially secure. Uh, and so now he, you know, is advising other entrepreneurs. And he said um, the gist of this article is that you know he's done all this stuff, and he spent all this time coming up with business ideas, names, logos, design ideas. He has written hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of words on blogs and in books. He spent too much time on SEO and Facebook, Twitter followers, trying to go to his Instagram following all this stuff that people as entrepreneurs do. Slide decks, slide decks, And he basically says that, um, after 13 years of doing that, he realized that like almost all of it was completely pointless. He said the, the thing that helped him succeed was creating a great product. He created this WordPress support business, and then he created a, uh, a beer, a brewery. And those two things succeeded, not because of any of the logos or anything like that. They succeeded because they were amazing products that people wanted to buy. Nothing else mattered. And so he's trying to tell entrepreneurs, like, it doesn't matter what your reach is on Facebook. It doesn't matter what accounting software you use. It doesn't matter what software you use for invoicing. He even says here, uh, no business ever failed to take off because they use QuickBooks instead of zero. <laughs> or because they chose the wrong free CRM or because they chose logo A instead of logo B. The reason your business is not taking off is because your product is not good enough, period. So that's just the article that basically the product is what matters. Everything else, it doesn't effing matter. So just focus on your product.
0: It's interesting because I recently did a job interview with somebody that was at uh, Zoom. And just we started talking about Zoom culture. And the reason Zoom was ready to win is because Zoom for two years before they even marketed the product the engineer and the founder just worked on the product. And so in the meantime, while they were growing and working on Zoom, BlueJeans, all these competing products have popped up. They were doing great marketing, enterprise sales teams selling it to big companies like Intuit. And then pandemic hits, none of them could actually, the basic function of running a, a, a now we just call it a Zoom call, right? These other apps that, that they couldn't run a Zoom call or a video call very well. but it's because they didn't work on the product. Like right.
1: They, they focused on the sales, the marketing, the splashy stuff. Yeah. And then people bought it and they used it and they didn't like it as much as Zoom. Because Zoom was the easiest thing. And it still is, right? It still works the best. It's it's fascinating. And I don't know, the sentence about QuickBooks instead of zero hit home <laughs> for me, funny. right? Like I built my entire bu- bookkeeping business on like helping people switch from QuickBooks to zero, essentially. And winning SEO on that we had really good SEO about QuickBooks versus zero and that's what business owners were searching for cuz it was the problem they had you know i wonder like part of me doesn't want to think this is true right that it does make a difference like and maybe it's it's if you're using bad software for your business like if you're using the wrong CRM and the wrong accounting software and the wrong this and the wrong that it's death by a thousand cuts in a way that it sucks away your time from the product so,
0: and, and it some does. apps it, it doesn't matter because I, I think I'm um, listening to Chris Farman who's uh, does um, smallbatch.co, um, dot co. So it's a, accounting for the does breweries, right? Yeah, um, smallbatch standard. Sorry, smallbatch standard. And this was years ago. I had a conversation with him, and because I'm always on the niche apps, and apparently there was an app, an old desktop, cloud hosted app called Beer Run that literally gave brewers wrong numbers. So you're making you're making business decisions. Off of, and if if you have an app not giving you proper numbers, what are you supposed to do? So it does kind of matter, but ultimately you If you still if if you don't make great beer, right, it won't matter. Right. If if your yeah, if your product is bad, yeah, then it doesn't matter if
1: the numbers are bad. Um, so I, I don't know. I was thinking about this from a marketing standpoint. If I'm an accounting firm, what what do I take away from this? And maybe the answer is, you know, let's focus on how. Hiring us gives you as an entrepreneur more time to focus on making your product, making your business better because you're not worrying about all this other stuff. And this is why we shouldn't actually talk about the apps.
0: Oh, so communicate to the, to the business owners, hey, I want you to focus on your business and I'm going to take all these things off your plate. Right. And including, I mean, and this could actually be, I mean, maybe you take other things off their plate that are not core. Accounting and bookkeeping functions.
1: Yeah. Everything that is back office, that is just compliance related, that has nothing to do with working on the product. And then giving you time to work on the product to make the product better is is persuasive. So I I see a lot of firms that get into the cloud accounting space, that get really excited about the apps, and then they go out and they talk to all their clients about all the apps. But I think that's, having done that myself, made that mistake myself, I think it's actually... Don't do that. Don't talk to them about what apps you're using. If they ask, great, but you actually might want to respond with saying, you don't worry about it. We've, we've, ta- we picked the best. We're going to handle all this for you. You don't even need to worry
0: about it. Can you respond to your client when they ask these questions about what apps you're using? You'd be like, it doesn't fucking matter. Can <laughs> <Yes. you actually laughs> say that back to them? Yeah. Like, I'm gonna do everything for you. So it doesn't matter how I'm doing it.
1: I love that. That's hilarious. Yes, absolutely.
0: This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Rewind. Imagine if a meteorite wiped out Intuit's server. It's extremely unlikely, but if it did happen, Intuit would be able to restore all your data and everyone else's that was lost. Rewind has built a backup solution for data loss situations that are way more likely to occur to your client's data. Malicious attacks, buggy apps, disgruntled clients, and of course, ourselves. Human error, the number one reason people lose data. Say goodbye to making manual copies of clients' files, CSV exports, or storing redundancies on hard drives. Rewind is introducing a new way of protecting your data through an automated daily backups and on-demand controlled data recovery. As the leading cloud backup app trusted by over 80,000 organizations around the globe, Rewind has saved thousands of accounting professionals from mind-numbing manual data entry rework. Learn even more about Rewind and access a special offer just for listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast. Head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo/slash Rewind. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo/forward/slash R E W I N D.
1: Um, so you know that takes us into App News. Let's let's dig in.
0: Let's kick things off with Homebase. They raised a bunch of money, right? Yeah, so Homebase raised uh, $71 million in funding in its Series C that values the company between $500 million to $600 million. And if you remember, we talked about Homebase a few weeks ago. So Homebase is a t- was a, oh, it started out as a timesheet app, and now they're building their own payroll product on top of check. Uh, historically, though, they really did a lot with Gusto because they were a timesheet app that pushed employees' time to Gusto historically. So they're, they just continue to grow. I think it, they were the number one free app that was on QuickBooks in the App Store for the longest time uh, because they, they don't charge for people to use it. I think they had a model similar to um, like Expensify, right? Kind of get the employees to use it for free and then they monetize it you know, down the road in some back end mm-hmm. side. What was interesting about the raise, like I don't know if you saw some of the numbers or looked in and read the article about the raise. TechCrunch is where I read about it. And I don't know how deep you went, but if you go deep on the raise, it has a list of the people who invested.
1: I did not look at that.
0: So one of the people is former CFO of payroll benefits companies, Gusto. So it's a former CFO of Gusto has invested. Mm. But the other one is Matthew McConaughey. (laughs) No way. More celebrities. Yes, we have another one. Now this even better because Matthew McConaughey, not just putting his name, he gives a quote which is amazing. So I will read his quote. So apparently he announced he's also running for governor of Texas in 2022. That's in this article as well. All right. All right. All right. So so maybe this is like a (laughs) SEO play, right? He's like, yeah, if I just get into any article that that gets published, so, Uh, and, and where this comes from. So if we kind of take a step back home base, they're really trying to focus on solving technological problems for people without the technology. And what they mean by that is this is your front end hourly employees at restaurants, You're clocking it out employees, maybe they have a smartphone and that's it, right? Versus a lot of tech companies are solving for people that sit at a desk nine to five, working with computers and software.
1: Right. So you said this started as a timesheet app, uh, for, but it's for hourly employees. And they also have the employee scheduling. So what, what this reminds me of is deputy. That's the one I'm familiar with. This seems a lot like that because it has the team communication too. So you can message your hourly employees. So you don't have to, you know, text them on their phones.
0: It's a stack of features, right now. It's getting into payroll. So, should we read his quote? Yeah, I want to hear what Matthew McConaughey. And, now is. I can't do his voice. He can you do his voice? I cannot either. Because so. like, you have to make this very reflective when you say this, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So because I, I wish there was a recording of him <laughs> saying this. We would insert it in. So, <laughs> Hardworking people who work in, in and run restaurants and local businesses are important to all of us, he said in the statement. They play an important role in giving our cities a sense of livelihood. Identity and community. This is why I invested in Homebase. Homebase brings small business operations into the modern age and helps folks across the country not only continue to work harder, but work smarter. I mean, like, who doesn't want that quote on their website of the rap? Is this going to be a trend now? All the big celebrities, you're going to get a quote from them?
1: I think so. I think that's that's where we got to go. Well, who would be
0: the celebrity that would invest in giraffe? (laughs) I'd be the good fit for that. I don't know. Uh, we we'll have to think about that. Jerry Seinfeld, because like, he, he's all about his like dashboards and continuing at the daily routine. Always. Like, oh, not he? breaking the streak. Like, oh, yeah. He'd be one. would be good. I don't know.
1: Well, what else is new? Zero had an outage. Zero users were locked out of Zero for almost, looks like 11 hours. This was uh, in the end of June. And Zero says it was due to a login glitch, not getting hacked. So there's that.
0: And the uh me put a couple of the tweets, the register in the UK. So it feels like the register in the UK really picked up on this. And maybe, maybe from a business hour standpoint, that's who affected the most were people in the UK.
1: Oh, you mean the uh, the news the news uh,
0: the news site, the register.com. The register.com, yeah. So they, they picked this up. They picked it and, up. But yeah. they actually put in a couple of tweets. Um, people, again, this is this issue of you know, sometimes this happens in cloud accounting, right? Mm-hmm. And people, and then the funny thing is like, I've seen these tweets about QuickBooks in the past. Obviously we've talked about these tweets on Sage and it's just, a, it's kind of a risk of everything being in the cloud. And so there was a, this is from expert accounting and finance on Twitter. It's expert account I2. This is outrageous. We haven't been able to work a half a day already when it's the busiest time of the month for all accountants. This is the second time this has happened in a week and zero is not taking proper are not talking proper action. Maybe they meant taking very disappointing. We're a hundred percent zero partner and can't work. So obviously these things, they they stop you from working, but zero did have a good blog post where they've, they've addressed it. They've, they explained it. Like, I I feel like it was communicated Mm -hmm. in a decent manner. See,
1: I think that these outages, we should just look at them like the new snow day. We're all able to work remotely. So we don't have snow days anymore. We can still work when, You know, the weather's bad, right? Or so this is in
0: lieu of snow days is what you're saying.
1: Exactly. So, well, in here in Arizona, we don't have snow really, but, uh, in most places, but we do have monsoons. So on a day with a monsoon, maybe you don't go to work. Right. But now we can work at home. So this is the new snow day, the new monsoon day, the new, whatever weather event prevented you from going to the office and working it's your SAS outage. And I think it's a better trade-off, you know, just take a break, let your team have the day off. FreshBooks has an update. They have improved their search. So this is something I always find lacking in many apps, is it's really hard to search for things. And now you can apply all sorts of filters to find clients quickly. You can search by phone number, email, total outstanding invoice amounts, and more. They've improved their time tracking view, so you can see all the hours for all your teams in one place. There is an integration with Keypay now available. This is for UK and Australian users. Keypay is a payroll app. So now you can run payroll based on your FreshBooks time tracking in Keypay if you're in those countries. And the advanced search also works for invoice payments. You can filter for client, payment type, currency, and date to narrow down and find exactly what you are looking for. That's it for my FreshBooks update.
0: Sage. Um- Announced their third quarter earnings and they are. Let me guess, let me guess, Uh, slow or no growth? No, uh, they they have reoccurring revenue growth because they are getting people into their Sage cloud product. That's good. So So how much? So they're they're basically in general, their subscription penetration increased to 69% from 64%. So it went up um, 5%. For that, they went at 5%. But North America, uh, it, it grew up 7%. Um, but again, it's it's Sage Intact. Good, you know, quote unquote, good performance from Sage Intact. That's right? what's
1: propping up the whole company. That's
0: propping. And that's a lot of the new, the new. So the existing people are, they're moving, they're calling this is like the future Sage business cloud opportunity. So they basically have a group of people that are migrating from old Sage products into the Sage business cloud. Some of that means some of those products are now a subscription that's hosted. And then you have a lot of new, but the news probably mostly Sage Intact. It's the new from reading the numbers on this. So most of us are using
1: Zoom. Have you heard about Zoom apps? It's this new feature that allows you to integrate apps directly inside of Zoom.
0: Well, when they were going to announce all that, didn't you buy a TV, a special Zoom TV a couple oh, months back? That's, that's a, It's a weird
1: story. So they, that's actually different. It was a third-party company they contracted with to build a device that you could just sit on top of your TV and it would turn your TV into a zoom room. And then I don't know what happened. That company didn't come through because my order never shipped. And then they eventually emailed me and they were like, yeah, we're having issues. Do you want your money back? (laughs) So that was a pandemic fail. This is different. Uh, This is a software uh, add on where you can integrate third party apps directly inside of zoom and um, like they become widgets inside of your zoom meeting. There's 50 or more apps now available on the Zoom apps marketplace, including Asana, Dropbox, SurveyMonkey. There's a Weight Watchers app, apparently, that integrates into Zoom. The one that I saw that made me excited was Pandadoc. So Pandadoc is a popular tool for proposals. And now you can integrate it into Zoom so that when you're doing that client meeting or that prospect meeting and you want to present the proposal, you can, like, well, here's how it works. So you choose the PandaDoc icon from a list of apps within Zoom. Then you log into your PandaDoc account. And it lets you present and sign documents in real time using Zoom's remote control feature. And so that means you can actually like have them sign in the meeting. Like the way you used to in person bring a document. You say, all right, you ready to sign? Here it is. Sign on the dotted line.
0: And there's some level of necessity or functionality that's being provided that you can't get just from standard desktop share. Okay, hey, I'm going to share my desktop. Let's go through the contract together. You hit accept, accept, accept on the It just hmm. makes it
1: more seamless, right? Okay. Like they don't have to click a link and then share their screen in order for you to walk them through the proposal. It's just
0: right. Okay. It's, you it's quicker to bring it up and, and have that discussion. Yeah. Cause you
1: want so. them signing on your computer. Cause that's the digital signature needs to be on their device. Um, so this is like making that all, I guess, compliant in that way. So I, I think that's pretty neat, right? There's no there's no excuse like, oh, I need to think about it. Send over your proposal and I'll sign it later. And then they don't, right? You well, especially them-
0: if it's integrated. You don't have to like, okay, go to this website, open it up. Now share your screen with me that you, you can have your client just, if it's just more seamless, it's going to be easier to do.
1: Yeah. And that's the whole goal of this sort of thing is like, get them signed up. Um, then, you know, that's that's the key thing. <laughs> get them to sign the contract and then deal with everything else.
0: Odoo announced that they uh, took a $250 million investment from Summit Ventures. And-
1: Odoo is a sponsor of the show. Yep.
0: They are an open source ERP system. That's correct. And there was just a couple of interesting things that were in here. So Odoo's been profitable for years, and this investment is not an investment issuing more equity and, and spreading spreading the equity out, making the pizza pie bigger. They're basically buying other out other backers at a premium to invest more into Odoo. Some it is. Interesting. Um, so, so it's because they are already profitable. But the other thing that was interesting in this article is they said that 90% of all Odoo's customer base uses the free tier. Only 10% are taking the paid, but that 10% is big enough to run a bit profitable business. Before we go, David, it looks like we got two reviews. So let's read those. Here's the first
1: one. Nice work. This is a very interesting podcast. I love how the Intuit guy thinks they aren't competing. Oblivious is that in regard to our interview with Ted Callahan? That's what it sounds like. (laughs) Well, I do, I do agree with Ted. I'm trying to remember back to the interview. Um,
0: I think that. um, This is in reference to everybody wants to be in the GL question I had. Everybody wants to be a GL.
1: Yes. Well, and I think they, it's hard to build a GL. It's harder than integrating with like, so we've got all these apps now that are gonna become payroll companies like Homebase, we just talked about, because there's now payroll APIs. So like Gusto has an API for payroll, and so does Check. So we're gonna see payroll going out. I don't think that's gonna happen for a GL because it's just so much more complicated. So um anyway, but but they're definitely competing on the on the lower end for sure, um, with like single entry accounting systems. Um that was from smack ramen via apple podcast five stars thank you so much smack ramen for the review we really appreciate it here is our uh, second review breath of fresh air five stars love this podcast as an older millennial cpa most of the content produced by the aicpa journal of accountancy pwc and others may be rich in technical content but is terrible in quality so many other accounting podcasts sound like they are recorded on speakerphone or have interviews that are clearly read word for word off a script. Sorry, J of A, Excel keyboard shortcuts and pivot tables aren't tech news. David and Blake provide a professional quality and technologically fluent podcast. They know their stuff, and it's the perfect balance to the dry technical knowledge offered elsewhere. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the work you're doing. That is from Brian QZO via Apple Podcasts in the United States of America. Thank you so much, guys. We really appreciate your reviews. And David, if our listeners want to do us a huge favor and write a review, where can they do that?
0: If you're in the Apple universe, you could just go to Apple podcast to do it right inside your app. If you are listening anywhere else, you can go to podchaser.com and you can do a review there on podchaser. We
1: seriously really appreciate these reviews. Uh, It helps us get surfaced so that other people see the podcast and they subscribe. It makes a big difference. uh, And we we really appreciate it. And David, if people want to get in touch with you online, where's the best place?
0: Uh, Any of the socials, you can just find me at David Leary. And if you're on LinkedIn, just so you're not a bot, I am at Blake T Oliver on Twitter. Do follow me.
1: And if you are an accountant or bookkeeper, I will do my best to click follow back. Until next week, David. Hope you get your air conditioning fixed soon. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't get too don't get too roasted. Go to the pool, I guess. Right?
0: Yeah, I should have uh, a yeah, home ownership, man. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the millennials are right. Maybe we should just rent.
1: I know, but that's the thing is that millennials actually want to buy houses. They just can't because they're crushing student loan debt and then rising asset prices caused by <laughs> uh, wow. monetary policy.
0: It's a whole separate podcast. I'm that's another,
1: share. that's another story. Anyway, all right. talk to you next week. I'll
0: talk later. to you later. Bye. Bye. Time for the classifieds. Have you dreamed of starting a bookkeeping business, but you don't know where to start? Join the Bookkeeping Biz Workshops, a four-day live workshop series hosted by Serena Shoup, CPA. You'll learn what it takes, which tech to start with, how to build a business, not a job. Plus, you'll get comfortable on discovery calls. The workshops begin August 22nd, so register today at bkworkshops.online. That is bkworkshops.online. If you're looking to fast-track a scalable 7-figure accounting firm that doesn't drive you into the ground, check out Ryan Lizannis' online coaching membership, Future Firm Accelerate. Designed around Ryan's experience taking his cloud firm from scratch to sale so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You'll get online learning and topics that help you automate and systemize all aspects of your firm, you'll get coaching when you need help with implementation, and you'll also join a collaborative community of hundreds of other forward-thinking firm owners. For more details, head over to www.futurefirmaccelerate.com. That is www.futurefirmaccelerate.com. I quickly wanted to let you know about a new project that I've been working on for the last year or so. I'm launching a podcast network called Accounting Podcast Network. It has new podcasts that I know you'll love like the Accounting Salon Conversations podcast hosted by Amanda Aguilar and the Accounting Automation Workflows podcast co-hosted by Brian Clare and Heather Satterly. Head over to accountingpodcastnetwork.com. That's accountingpodcastnetwork.com. Want to get the word out about your newsletter, webinar, party, Facebook group, podcast, ebook, job posting, or that fancy Excel macro you just created? Why not let the listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast know by running a classified ad? Hit the show notes for the link to get more info.